Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We have survived all the new shows, and we are now knee-deep in the fall season. And I think we found a few good shows to talk about. I don't know what you guys think. I would think. say so, yeah. Yeah. Ch- sure. <laughs> Enough you- of them. Yeah. I, I, I'd say this season, despite how... I think, I mean, I mentioned this last time, but despite how rough things started out, I'd say... I'd say we all found at least one or two things worth... I'm happier this week than the last podcast, just because Chiai Furu's back. Ah, yes. So, we will talk about that and many other Everyone's things. Everyone's favorite card-slapping game. <laughs> the real the real sports anime of the season. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll get to all that in a minute. Let me just introduce everybody. I'm Jell, and with me today, I have the twin stars of the Glorio blog, Iroh mm-hmm. and uh, G. Yep. Yo, yo. I'm Which- still... Uh- uh, only thinking about treason. I'm not, I haven't oh, done treason yet. Oh, How so... dare you accuse me of treason? <laughs> Wait, so you're in play, you're Roenthal, and I'm Mittermeier. Okay. You think that tracks? What do you guys think? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't know. <laughs> but, the uh... way that G goes knives out so often, I think G would be the Roenthal, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Mittermeier gets pretty angry sometimes, and he laughs. Yeah, that's true. We got. We have to stop. We can't do this bit this early in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. are actually, we do actually have a reason to talk about Legend of Galactic Heroes this season, but we'll yes, save that for later. You realize, on in the like, this is this is not going to work. <laughs> All these podcasts having a whole like fucking thirty minutes of Galactic Heroes leak into the normal podcast. I'm sure it'll hey, be fine. Hey, it's it's what the people want. Look at our YouTube hits. We'll we'll, we'll keep it under control. I'm sure, but. Uh, also joining us again is Marlon. If you yo yo yo, that. so we got a full four man crew with us this week, and mm-hmm. we are ready to talk about some anime. So before we get into the shows themselves, a couple quick news items I wanted to mention. The first one. Tell me about hit nineteen eighty five anime Robotech. <laughs> Now, ah, look. yes, the American classic, Robotech. Yeah. Yes. yes. So this past week... All praise Carl Masick. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with Carl, I know. Carl Masick, right. but that's... Look, honestly, I could you're talk right, about right. this single topic for the entire podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm going to try to keep this succinct as possible. But... So, Jill, tell week... us why, why in 2019 <laughs> Robotech... <laughs> Be relevant in any way whatsoever. This week out of nowhere, Funimation okay, tweeted that they are picking up the Robotech license with the, one of the ugliest graphics I've ever seen in my entire life. Ah, is, so, I mean, staying so it's a Funimation brand. thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, staying yeah. on brand with Robotech. Yes, which is very appropriate. Uh, and, you know... I just want to give a little background, get this on tape. This is coming from somebody who owned the entire Robotech series on VHS. Uh, I loved Robotech, 
but I don't think it needs to exist in 2019. And having Funimation just kind of randomly pull it up out of nowhere is just feels like very backward thinking. Yeah. Which kind of checks out for Funimation. I do <laughs> right. want to... I'm surprised just, VRV didn't get in on this or something. I'm surprised <laughs> High Dive. Or not, not High Dive. Up all the old stuff. No, High Dive, High Dive, High Dive would have gotten really like good. Genesis Climber Moss Beata. Oh, hell yeah. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah play that Moss Beata opening. Right, the only thing good. anybody actually knows about Moss Beta is it's God's Hero piece. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to get down on tape sort of succinctly for all the kids out there that don't know why this is bad. Get it on uh, ro- tape. Fuck Robotech. Yeah. Fuck Robotech. <laughs> Fuck Harmony Gold. Yeah. Eat a dick, Harmony Gold. Fuck Harmony Gold. <laughs> but basically with Robotech, it's not just like this is a heavily localized version of Macross. I was thinking about it, and it kind of reminds me of like Super Sentai and Power Rangers, where it's like <laughs> fair, this fair. alternate continuity uh-huh. mashup thing. Right, how they took mm-hmm. Die Ranger and Kaku Ranger and Mega Ranger and all that and made it the same continuity. Right, but there's right. two key differences in this situation. Uh, you know, one, Harmony Gold, which is the company that makes Robotech, is not cooperating with the original creators of the series. Okay, in fact, yes. it's been Saban also litigious assholes, but not to the level of Harmony Gold. <laughs> yeah, right. I was say they at least Saban have some official connection, bad, right, like... with the original. <laughs> right source. now, like now nowadays, things have calmed down with Saban. Like you can't get around that. That's Toei's. Toei's got a thumb on that shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of that is just because, like, for better or worse, like, I mean, Jill, I, I really should just let you get into this, but I think it's also that, for better or worse, the Robotech thing is just a very messy situation all around. Like, it, yes, a lot of it is couched also, in like a lot of like now outdated and like poorly enforced copyright, like ill-defined copyright law, like right. internationally yeah. as well. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. you I can spare the like, new Power Rangers, whereas like you couldn't bring anything. Like from the old, you know, from new series of yeah. lacrosse into America. That's what I'm. That's what I'm ultimately getting at. Is you know, for for one, Harmony Gold is not cooperating with the original creators, and the reason for that is they're trying to protect the actual like Robotech continuity or whatever that they've created to make new properties, and then that brings me to big difference number two is despite all their fighting, Harmony Gold has done virtually nothing <laughs> with the franchise in 35 right. years. Okay, so now every Macross thing that comes out has to be called Story of Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> God, yes. don't, even, don't even have time to get into that shit it, it, right now. Right, and that that's like what Marlon was saying and what we're just saying now is like, that's the real problem. Like, I don't care about Harmony Gold making original stuff because the, their attempts have been terrible, and we'll get to that in a yes. second. But subsequent macross series never made it here because of all that legal business so we never got macross 7 we never got macross frontier which is ridiculous that's like one of the most popular anime of all time and we never got macross delta which we might have been better off oh but... no not delta <laughs> i noticed you didn't even mention plus which is like the one that's like the well the we did actually get good entry in we did get did we yeah, we did get Macross Plus. I don't oh, know how that happened. How did but... that happen? What about what about Macross Two, Lovers Again? 
we what? did get that as well. But what is that? But <laughs> after that, there were no official recent releases with any of the subsequent series. So, um, so yeah, it feels like in 2019 having Funimation partner up with Harmony Gold is just like very backwards. It's it sucks because I think everything. Because I think for the longest time, the trajectory was like, well, Harmony Gold is eventually just going to starve itself to death, right? Like, every single attempt they have made to, like, that make... That was the hope, yeah. Right, like, every attempt they have made to make, like, more new Robotech has been, like, an outstanding failure on, on a laughable d- degree, right? Like... Right. Like, I, Jelly, I assume you're going to get to this next, but, like, every... Like, everything that, like, Robotech has tried to done ever since, like getting away from Macross has failed, and you just kind of assumed, well, eventually they will just die out, right? Like, eventually they'll just give in, but... Nope. Like... Um, yeah, just these last couple of years have actually kind of seen a, a weird uptick for them, which is unfortunate. And it's funny because in the Funimation press release, they're hyping up these two other projects that Harmony Gold tried that were <laughs> yeah, right. failures as, like... <laughs> you know, exciting continuations of the series, like that they're somehow on equal footing with the original Robotech or something like that. Right. And it's just like downright insulting because they did like, they got to make their money somehow. They did um, what they call Robotech two, the Sentinels, which was basically a compilation of clips of their failed TV show that they tacked into a movie. That's barely coherent. (laughs) Uh, Isn't the movie Megazone 23? I'm like, not sure like about Robotech that. the movie. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on how that. that. I mean, okay, but the Megazone uh, 23 has a lot of similar looking designs, but I'd right. you'd have to like really. It's uh, the I mean, Mikimoto. Yes, the Sentinels was specifically Robotech stuff. So the Sentinels was specifically trying to make a sequel from the Macross series, so like it has the characters in it and stuff. Like after they leave Earth. Uh, oh sure, sure. And it was. It was bad. I haven't seen it in like 20 years, but it was bad. And they're hyping that up as part of this big license grab. And then the other thing was the, what is it, Shadow Chronicles? Something like that, yeah. Which was another original production that was set further in the future. So original characters and everything. It was, I'll give it average at best. Um, (laughs) I have nothing to get excited about. But that's, that was about like, 13 years ago or something, 12 years ago. Uh, the Sentinels thing was back in the 80s still. So they've done two things in, like, 35 years. Right, and, like, for those who aren't, like, really familiar with the context, the reason why Harmony Gold earns so much ire from a lot of us is that not only are they litigious about, like, their claimed ownership of Robotech, but... It extends to the point where Harmony Gold has on multiple like has made multiple attempts to try and claim that Macross belongs to them as well, basically. Right. Like essentially that, oh, actually we own this whole damn thing. And for better or worse, like the Japanese courts have just never really been aggressive enough to like really fight back against it. From from what I've read from people who would know better, I think the original creators could 
force their way through this if they wanted to put in the massive legal investment and everything. Right. Because Harmony Gold is so stubborn, they've just determined it's not worth the effort. Also, it's a foreign market. Right. Right. And there's also the the aspect of, like, well, how much, how big would Macross actually, like, blow up here in the West, right? Like, even if they put in the work to get back the rights to to distribute Macross in in America. Macross Frontier, where. I think Macross Frontier would have validated. Yes, Macross that. Frontier. I think I think like hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think everybody like agrees on some level that Macross Frontier should have been the time where like you know that that would have been the right the time to f- put up the fight. Yes. Where but... does Harmony Gold get their money? They're not Los Angeles a... real estate, right? They're not. Like, no, oh, really? Yeah, yeah they're yeah. not purely a publisher. They're like like the whole like the whole Robotech thing is actually a side gig for them. Like this was back <laughs> during like the '80s when like every company was like you know had a finger in every pie, right? Like you know, yeah. Similarly, you heard about like how in video games, like freaking every like corporation that could like bought a game studio at the time just to like get in on it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Robotech got made by people who really wanted to bring over Macross and had to make a lot of compromises and sign the deal with the devil to make it happen. I don't want to get into all the details of that. It's an it's a very interesting story, but yeah. the end result has been, you know, the legal hell that it's been trapped in for 35 years. So anyway, again, this feels like a like backwards thinking nostalgia grab type thing which i feel like we're seeing quite a bit of like yeah we talked about even outside of fun like funimation's always been like that because they still think people want to buy home releases with dubs but um <laughs> hey i mean dubs are cool. <laughs> the, the dubs are fine but but nobody buys discs anymore um but the we talked about a little bit last week, uh, you know, Amazon's whole deal. Like they they're officially saying, "Oh, we want to get back to this like licensing, you know, these dark mature content that would have been cool in the '90s." And I think even Netflix does that to a certain extent. Oh, but... totally! It it very much shows in the type of shows they they oh yeah they license. They made that whole fucking documentary. Yeah, but yeah, they're 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 playing more on like the nostalgia thing. Rather than, you know, getting the best anime. I, I guess. mean, I've I've said this time and time again. Like Robotech only exists and only is only allowed to thrive in the twenty first century because our pop culture is just so enamored with eighties and nineties nostalgia, right? Like mm-hmm. Robotech shouldn't exist in in the twenty first century for any reason. There's no reason for it to. There, there's no reason for it to hold any value. Other than the fact that kids who grew up in the '80s are still alive, like <laughs> no offense, there is Shell, a bit but... <laughs> of a hole in the cur- I'd say there is a hole in the current market for that kind of sci-fi anime. Like there isn't really anything I could say that's come out that isn't a remake of a 1988 science fiction OVA that really, right. <laughs> really scratches that itch. And um, I mean, maybe, but like I guess that's the thing is like, even if you want to get into that aspect of like, oh, like. There's nothing quite like Macross when it comes to like. I feel I feel like I feel like Robotech I, again. I feel like Robotech just got lucky that it got brought over so early, right? Like, yeah. Like Gundam had to like scrape and fight for its place in Western anime fandom, you know, and it kind of mostly earned it through Toonami. But like, 
I'm kind of of the mind that honestly, if somebody had like done the work to bring Gundam over like around the same time they brought Macross over as a Robotech, like yeah, I feel like people would not have such a rose tinted memory of Robotech. And, and and I sorry, go ahead, Jill. You know, Robotech in 1985 was fine because that's what needed to happen for us to yeah. see it. That was the way yeah, the market was at the time. It was a very different thing back then. Right. So, like, I don't have a problem with the original creation of Robotech. It's just, like, now we can we have access to the original... You know, we, we can we can put the original Macross series up on online, which I, I didn't want to get into all this, but the original <laughs> Macross did actually get a U.S. release, too. Um, so that's, that's even right. out there. You could have licensed uh, that. They had, they had uh, Min May's voice actress do the yes. dub also. So like, you, why didn't they license that? Like, it's it's out there. So yeah, it's just it's it's like he's, like we've been saying, it's playing on that that the nostalgia of the Robotech name, which from Funimation's point of view doesn't make sense to me either because I feel like. Anybody who's going to care about the Robotech name is going to be over 35 and would rather watch it on Netflix. They don't know what Funimation is. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm the exception to the rule really? here. <laughs> Most of the people I mean, my age. I, I, I do see where Jell's coming from. Like, like realistically, like, I got to be real. Any anime fan in 2019 who was still nostalgic about Robotech, like, I frankly don't really believe they even exist like <laughs> like i feel like if you are an anime fan in 2019 like you are aware of macross like you have to be a very specific type of person who you have to be a very specific uh, type of person to have consumed pop culture in a way where like you are nostalgic about robotech but you are not aware of anime as a as a whole like right so it's not, more like like an old person that's really into speed racer but more yeah. just because it was on in the 60s not because they're an anime fan that yeah right. that's that's a good way of putting it marlin is like it's it is in that echelon of like anime that was brought over here in the early days of anime localization that you know was early enough that i think a lot of people from that generation just kind of saw it as a cartoon not specifically as a, you know a piece right. of japanese animation right it's what I should be, except I'm a huge nerd and I spend too much time on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my point was, like, people who are going to be nostalgic for Robotech are going to be not going to be on Funimation. They're not going to know what Funimation is. Uh, and I will point out, Robotech, at least right now, is still available on Netflix. So if if they did want the nostalgia trip, they probably would have checked it out there. Uh, yeah. I think it... it it's kind of telling that when they when Funimation tweeted this, all the replies to the tweets obviously are super negative because the the people on Twitter know no better. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, it's the people who are, the people who are extremely online, thought. yes, are going to be the same people who are like, I mean, you know, they're going to be the people who are like, uh, actually, I believe it's called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. You know, right. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, and it's just... <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, what else is there really to say? Like, this is kind of a... It's a shitty choice. We don't like it. But at the at the end of the day, like... As long as... There's nothing as, new here. Yeah, like, as long as Harmony Gold exists, this treatment of Macross, and I get... It will, will continue. Yeah. Yeah, all the... <laughs> all the replies to that tweet are... We're quoting, uh the Kawamori interview where he's like, I don't want to talk about Harmony Gold or whatever. The, <laughs> yeah. 
So. Well, uh, speaking about uh, questionable copyright law. Yes. Let's talk about another uh, controversial topic. Well, I don't think the Robotech thing is controversial. We all agree Harmony Gold is bad. But yeah. uh, in this case, we wanted to mention uh, Stars Align, which is a good anime we will talk about later. But I wanted to talk about this in the news section specifically. Uh, the ending sequence has a lot of cool dancing in it. It's very fun. We all loved it. And then we found out it appears they stole all the dance choreography. Yeah. Pulling is... a Fortnite over here. Well, yeah. this is where things get a little bit murky because... In Japan, it, it... I guess, you can copyright dance moves. Oh, really? Is that correct? That's what I've heard. Okay, because my understanding is that the, the reason why this all gets a little bit... Uh, murky is because there is a difference between like copying a dance move and then specifically copying like a choreographed set and like the murkiness of that is why like games like Fortnite and like literally every single like AAA video game can get away with putting in like the Carlton as right. an animation you know it's it's a th because it, that is not like explicitly choreographed or it's not a it's not part it's of a, a larger. Dance move. It's not a set, right? Whereas the, the thing that I think Stars Align runs into is that, like, and also here's the thing: like everybody is aware of rotoscoping, and there's a difference between rotoscoping right. and copying. And mm -hmm. you know, if look, if they release footage like tomorrow, that's like actually here's our animators doing the dances, and here's our footage of it. Well, I mean, you still copied somebody else there, but like if you're rotoscoping your own motions of it, that's that's a different story. But it seems like based on the, the footage that's come out, that they're basically copying entire sections of this choreographed set. Right. And mm -hmm. that, I believe, can be uh, copyrighted to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then there's the... There's legal and illegal, and there's right and wrong. Right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and... and, and uh, yeah, if you... I mean, if you look at the side-by-side -side video, there's, there's no question... Like they at the very least copied it, whether right. Or not... Like this is not like ins this is not like inspiration, right? This is not an inspired reference, right? This is this is literally one to one. That they 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 have the side by side comparison videos showing it's literally the exact same dance moves. Um, and from what I can tell, these are not the other thing that kind of makes this feel worse is like. These do not appear to be like super famous people they're stealing from or anything. Like these are just they're like, like they're like indie like YouTube dancers, or yeah, something. Which, which almost right. gives it which almost gives it the vibe of oh they thought they could get away with copying somebody who's not a big name. Exactly. Like, wasn't, wasn't that the like, same thing as the Fortnite thing though? Like wasn't well, it just some kid on Twitter or Fortnite yeah, had a couple something like that? Different. Th there's a couple problems. dances. Like it's not just the it's not just like the backpack kid. There's the Carlton. There's also dances stolen from like prominent like hip hop artists. Like, um, the thing with Fortnite is it, it is it is I mean whether you agree with whether it's stealing or not it is certainly borrowing from a wide swath of inspirations. Right. Whereas I mean, the personally, with, I don't think it's right what Fortnite did either, whether it's legal or not. Right, uh, and I, right. I don't 
think this is right either without giving proper credit or compensation or something. Yeah, like, it's it's mm-hmm. kind of shitty because, like, if, if, if we didn't know any better, we'd be like, I mean, that's what we were all saying, right? <laughs> Who doesn't love an OP or an ED sequence where everybody's dancing, right? Like, right. Reco knew this, Blood Blockade <laughs> Battlefront knew this, like, yeah. everybody loves it when people are dancing, right? It's great. And I think that's how we were all feeling because, oh, wow, what a really great original sequence. And now that we kind of know where it really came from, it's 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 unfortunate because because yeah, it definitely feels like oh, because these are small time like YouTubers or whatever. Like, were they just hoping people wouldn't notice? Right. It feels like they were trying to put one over on us. Yeah. I don't know how they ever thought they would succeed, though. Like, have they not oh, taken you stock surprised. of the internet these days? <laughs> like, like, it seems like anytime anyone tries to to use someone else's property it gets noted immediately. Oh man, that, you, when you have you, like a I don't know. You'd be surprised. I mean, I don't want to get into it now, but like so Netflix announced that new uh new Ghost in the Shell, right? And the main concept like character artist concept artist they hired for it is this I think it's this Russian Right, yeah, yeah. Artist who is, like, famous for having done a lot of, like, portraits of, like, Matoko Kusanagi, the main character of Ghost in the Shell, as long as like, having, like, a very distinct style of, like, portraiture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of been kind of a, the most poorly kept secret in the industry that that dude traces like a motherfucker. Like, uh, mm-hmm. all the time. Like, that dude mm-hmm. traces, like, mad. And, like, people have called like, him out, like, like, time time and time again, but, like... Every time he's been called out, it's just there hasn't been enough of a social media groundswell to, to like go anywhere, and like so like if you think that like oh like once somebody gets caught, you could just like sick the internet mob on them. Like sometimes some 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 people are just too famous that like that shit just like washes right off their back. Like right. like this dude has been accused of plagiarism for years, and none of it has ever stuck. And like maybe it probably never will because. Like that dude's just that famous, that popular, popular on the internet, and like people who talk shit about him publicly tend to get shut down pretty quick. And you see, mm. you see big companies steal art all the time for like oh, yeah. shirts and whatever, and they get away with it because you know who's going to stop them? Uh, yeah, like because if you're like some independent, like, and your shit's been copied, like, what are you going to do? Like, like rally the thousands of dollars in legal fees it'll take to like fight back? Like, exactly. Right, you'd have to like find a guy that would do it, like getting paid only when the the case is settled or something. Right. Like, that. like yeah. it's. Yeah. Are you going to be able to pay legal fees to fight you know Urban Outfitters or somebody? Right. Right. That's capitalism, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Urban Outfitters is one of them. I hope I'm not calling them out unnecessarily, but uh, who cares? Anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think the point is, like, it's a shame because here's the thing. These guys are small time, and I'm being really – I'm about to say something really cynical here. I got to be real. This anime studio could have just, like, approached them and be like, hey, we're going to, like, credit you in our ED sequence and, like, not pay you. That's fine, right? And, like – I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest. I'm being yeah, real cynical here. But enough of like enough of like small time folks out there would have just been happy enough about the credit that they right. probably would have been fine with that. So like the fact that they didn't even bother to try, it's like it's like come on, y'all. Ha- right. Has the studio actually come out with like a, a public? Yes. A, so that's what I was going to wrap up with. The official Twitter account for the anime did say that they are currently confirming all the facts surrounding the ending animation. 
So, uh, did they not go with the like the game, the games industry excuse of, oh, we outsourced that, we will be investigating? <laughs> no, they, that's pretty much all they said. So okay. maybe, right. maybe we'll end up with a, you know, banned from TV ending here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, At least nobody was doing like half a gram of drugs or whatever. I don't know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Shut down, down the, shut down, shut all, down the entire production. Right, yeah. Yeah. Change the actors' yeah. faces. Uh, <laughs> redub all the voices. Yeah. Christ. Uh, all right. So we'll that'll uh, to, like, actual we'll anime now. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's move along then to. <laughs> well, let's say talk about actual yeah. anime. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> I have forgotten to bring up. That Banania has returned this season. Hell yeah! The true anime of the year. Banania and the Curious Bunch. Yes, we loved the first season of Banania, and this one is. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the reboot slash prequel that is Banania and the Curious Bunch. Have we figured out if it is a prequel or? I don't know because it's, season one like they're all in that be, kitchen, right? They're right. In that house, but yeah, season also, one they're, they're on the planet of Banania's. Yeah, season one. So, this, this is a short little cartoon with cats that are bananas or bananas that are cats. However, you want to frame it. Right. It's like a like an <laughs> Inferno Cop length episodes. Yeah, it's like two uh, minutes long. Um, and man, what if Banania just third just fourth finale? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> the the first the first Giant season was Banania emerges from its peel. <laughs> I, I don't want to know what's under there to be honest um, the, the, the first season was as Ira was saying just like in a house like it was very mundane and for some reason the second season they're on planet Banania living like in a jungle somewhere in the wilderness uh -huh. and I, we don't know if this is before was the Earth destroyed, and now they had to? Well, they showed it's to... Earth, like the banana yeah, planets, like Earth's orbiting the Earth. Okay, and You're items right. from Earth appear on the banana. With from um, meow deers, right? <laughs> Which meow is deers. pretty clever. <laughs> um, yeah, now there's like cops and ninjas and all kinds of other bananas. It's great, but uh, yeah, go Dad, watch that. Uh, the is not back. It's fun. It's like two minute episodes, whatever. Yeah, no commitment. <laughs> I miss the old narrator. Something to brighten your day. That is, uh, go check that out. It's good. It finally okay. got its due on this podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've officially talked about Banania. Like... <laughs> Suddenly the header image of last last episode's podcast makes sense. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Quite right. a long game here, baby. Uh, also, since last time we had the return of uh, Chihaya Furu, which Hell has yeah. been gone for like a long time, right? Was it like six years? Years. Yeah. Like I, I had to look back and be like, oh yeah, I remember it actually blogging that. And like back in the days when I would actually do, you know, like every single episode and do like three paragraphs per post, and I was like, how did I ever do this? Ah, and, back and then in the I, day I realized when we had time it, to write about anime. <laughs> But then I also looked and the writing was super bad, so <laughs> encouraging to know that I feel like I've grown. But yeah, it's 
I I literally put in that last post whether or not I would continue reading the manga or uh, go and start reading the manga or wait for a new season. And so I'm glad <laughs> you waited just waiting it out <laughs> worked out. Jeez. Has it really been that long since the last season? Yeah. Seriously, it's been six years. Huh, yeah. I wonder what like why the delay happened there. Was it just like waiting for All right, still got hope for Blood Bucket Battlefront. Yeah, so like yeah, I mean that and hey, Hinamatsuri, we're on year two of waiting yeah, for Hinamatsuri, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's just like the the manga actually finished because one of the things is that each season was like about a year, so like you know freshman year, sophomore year, now assuming or you know like three years in the high school in Japan. So I'm wondering if this is going to be the final season. I mean, the only thing that would change that is that like is you the could ma- still. Is the manga over? Is it ended? Uh, let me double check. I can't remember. Because I know it definitely wasn't over when the last anime aired. Um, and it would make sense because, like, yeah, they were still... Uh, no, no, right. the original manga is still going. So, yeah, I don't know why they're All starting right. Yeah, I have no idea what brought about this new season, but I'm up for it. You know, like, I love that show. It's... It's been a long time since I've really had a good, like, uh, Jose show to watch. Even though it's weird to think of Chihaya Furu as a Jose show because it's so, like, saccharine. But, hey, I'm, yeah. So what is Chihaya Furu about? All I know is it's about slapping cards. <laughs> I mean, is this the part where you just post the clip to that one, like, Pro ZD video to trying to explain Chihaya Furu that, like, <laughs> goes Probably. on for, like, three minutes because, like... It it is maybe tied with Rakugo for like the most heart difficult to explain. Rakugo, you can be like, oh, it's stand up comedy, but so, it's not. It's not. I know it's, it's right. not, but I get too close. It's super complicated. The thing that I've always loved about Shihaifuru, though is that sure, there's that level of it being this like obtusely obscure Japanese, yeah, like you said, card game. But also an athletic competition because you also have to like... Yeah, so the idea is there's all these cards and each card has the half of a poem and it comes from... I forget exactly what they're called but there's these famous set of 100 poems in Japanese poetry lore. And the idea is like somebody will read the card and from the beginning of the poem, you need to know what corresponding end of the poem is on the field and touch it. Oh god, you're explaining this in earnest. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, like, okay, that's that's as deep as I'll get into it. There's a whole yeah, that gives us the general... The yeah, general no, 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 I, I'm kidding, it's just that... Look, man, like, it feels like... It's a sports anime. Yeah, I know, no, 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 I know, I know that it, like, it is like, everybody has always told me that, like, it is, like, the secret best sports anime... And I, I've always I, been interested in it because of that reason, but I, I just love that it feels like you know maybe this is, this just this is just me playing more of the Yakuza games as of late, but like it feels like every fucking Japanese card game is like couched in like a million cultural touchstones that are like <laughs> too obscure yeah. for your average weeb to ever to ever understand. Like oh yeah, just <laughs> you just have to like basically the whole thing is. You have to go in knowing you're not going to understand these poems. You're not going to understand how they know how to get one. Like, they kind of, tr- like, Funimation did it. Or not Funimation, this is Crunchyroll. They tried to do a decent job of, like, explaining the linguistic ways that they would, like, oh, this is 
a card where you can understand what it is in one syllable, whereas there's these other cards where they have, like, two syllables that are the same in the beginning. Oh, man. So it's like, if you think about it, you know, like, a lot of sentences have the same starting words, especially sure. if it's, like, a, got a clause, like, wherefore, why, when, that kind You're of thing. You're not going to get the poem on the. That's yeah, right. exactly. So they, yeah, they use that. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's more just couched in, like, these characters are really lovable. I think what makes it the best sports um, manga is that they do lose. Like, you know, they have five members of the club, so, you know, each of them can individually lose. And then in the first season, they honestly kind of, like, the the only win uh, two tournaments. But, mm-hmm. Like, it, each two individual people win, and, like, they win their regional, but they lose the nationals. And then, like, the next year they go to the nationals and they win but the the you know chihaya she's the main character loses in her uh, individual tournament and so you know there's still it's like nobody's invincible i i can appreciate um, that yeah i mean i think you know we can <laughs> maybe someday we should do just a fucking glorio sports anime podcast really <laughs> to this. but like one of the main issues with sports anime is very much the issue of the like winner take all conundrum of how do you create drama in in often what are single elimination tournaments, right? Um, and you know, this is the part where like I obliga- you know, this is the obligatory part where I bring up big wind up or slam dunk as like great examples of sports manga slash anime that do a great job of, of portraying. Uh, losing as an equally like narratively engaging uh reality of the sport but uh right but but yeah no it sounds it sounds neat like i mean it's definitely one of those things of like i think i can i I find that i can get interested into just about any like hobby or craft if there's a sufficient amount of just like ridiculously like intricate nuance to it because even if i myself will never experience or understand it like i always think it's cool when somebody else like has clearly internalized and mastered these intricacies right yeah and it is kind of charming because like that's how chihaya like kind of that's how the club starts is like uh you know she first meets this uh uh, i think arata is his name one of she meets this boy and he teaches her how to play the game and so then she just like starts you know she just falls in love with it and then once she gets to high school there's no club and so she basically, by will of her loving the sport so much, she gets these people around her to join the club too. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just find it really refreshing. It's it's not the most like deep anime in the world, but it's it's fun, and I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I sure. know. I know a lot of people like it, and it was always on my radar, but just nothing I ever had time to get to and quite honestly the more seasons that rack up because it's a season three right <laughs> yeah and each it gets season harder. is 24 episodes so you're looking at catching up on 50 episodes now <laughs> right 50 <laughs> episodes lot. who could possibly yep. have time to watch an anime <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> glad to have it back so yeah all right all right, I didn't actually talk about the episode. The episode was most. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, it kind of makes sense, you know. All right, like, all right, the... make it quick. What What is season three about? Um, so Chihaya broke her finger 
at the oh, end of shit. last season. Oh, and no. So, like, that card too hard? <laughs> seriously, that's basically what happened. As far as I remember, maybe she broke it in some other what dumb way. But... every fucking sports anime <laughs> about the playing with an injury subplot? I'm so done with and, it. Yeah, so, like, K-Jo the thing is, K-Jo. her not... Her, her, what, she's only her using her left hand. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, she's trying to learn how to compensate and to kind of think about the sport differently. And so that's the big crux of what's happening right now. It's kind of in between seasons. So they won the championship last season. They're, it's, it's during, I don't know like what exactly time period it is, but it's in between the tournaments starting up again for the schools. Right. Cool. Yeah, I'm still loving it. Okay. And I'm assuming... I'm assuming there was at least some recap on this one because yeah, like I said, gap. it's although it was more like just flashing images from the pre- previous seasons, kind of like assuming you know what those images mean. Right. There's a little bit of like getting into the rules. If you're gonna fucking of the watch Chiafuru season three. I think they're assuming that right. The, the more the flashback was more going back into her childhood. Actually, it kind of like going way back, like to like her being a girl getting into the sport, that kind of stuff. Right. Rather than going through the entire thing of what happened after right. that point. I okay. guess to show her motivations. Okay. Well, again, glad that's back. Yep. We'll uh, check, in, check in on that later. Now, time to take a hard pivot from Jose to Seinen <laughs> for our next show. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, continuing this season and is uh, Vinland Saga, which we have not caught up on in a while. Yeah, we we haven't really uh, talked about it on the podcast in a while. Yeah, and I think yeah, we're up to episode 15 by the time uh, we're 16, 16 came out yeah, today. 16. We, yeah. we just watched 16 before the podcast. So how's that going? But, uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's still good. Um, yeah. It's it's still a very solid adaptation of the manga. Still like there. grim as hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. I think I think you guys will kind of start to see what I mean when I say, like, compared to like the reputations of stuff like Berserk or Kingdom, maybe you kind oh, of yeah, start to see like where that. Vinland Saga's nuance starts to kind sure. of lay out a little bit better. I because... okay, I just need to highlight this specific moment because I was hilarious. Yes, because because the major theme in that show is like the spread of Christianity during that time period. Yes, and there's a scene in like the village, little village, where the the, the dads, you know trying to rein his kids, telling them about Christianity. And he's like, don't worry, in 20, another 20, sometime in the next 20 years, Jesus will come and save us all. And I <laughs> lost it because that's the same shit they've been saying for the past 2,000 years. Yes, well, it's definitely happening to... this generation, guys, you, I swear. You, you have to remember the time period. So this is happening I know. shortly yes, after yes, the year 1,000. But it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's so, just, well, like, the, the, yeah, yeah. the thousand-year kingdom, like, it makes sense. Yeah. But... <laughs> It's the same shit. <laughs> I, think, I think. I think. I think. Um, I think Vinland Saga is very much intentionally playing into that aspect of like, no matter the time and no matter the age, like mankind right. always believe. Don't worry, we are the chosen generation. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think the thing is that Vinland Saga, the anime, continues to do well. Is like really do a good job of balancing, like in the most simple way. I would say it does a very good job of balancing the sad Viking murder with the fun Viking murder. Like the thing you have to understand about Vinland Saga is when I say Viking murder, I did not just mean like, you know, cool acts. I mean like, oh wow, these people are like 
horrible, violent individuals, like this right. is living in a horrible, violent society, and this is all they know, and like how that drives people to like certain convictions and philosophies. Like, right. in many ways, why Christianity would become a popular religion during this time period when people are fucking being murdered in the goddamn streets every goddamn day. Like, yeah. maybe people begin to ask, like, like, there has to be another way, right? There has to be something else, right? And, like, this idea of, like, the themes of, like, Christianity being like, hey, don't worry, buddy, even though life is suffering now, like, things will totally be good afterward, you know, in contrast to the very, like, kind of Norse pagan, you know idea of kind of... So you can go to Valhalla and fight more. Right, exactly. And kind of the contrast of how that shapes the people of this society. And... Yeah, I'd say Vinland Saga, like, I guess the thing's like, we could talk about, like, specific plot points, but I think it's just, it's continued to be a very solid, uh, you know, yes, a grim show about grim people, but even-handed about it. It's continued to be a very historically accurate too which is very impressive yeah yeah when period. when thorkel is not fucking tossing well yeah okay yeah i'm not i'm not talking <laughs> yeah. about the fights like we talked about the viking like, fights <laughs> yes yes i mean thorkel is kind of an exception to the rule most of the other right. thorkel and thorfinn are kind of the exceptions to the rule everybody else is mostly grounded in their capability right like like but, how, uh, like just the idea of how the villages function or like yeah yeah like the, I, the the way the wars are waged between Denmark and England, like the idea that they would have to retreat in the winter because supply lines and things yeah. like that. Uh, I, I, would, I would want to like do give, do give a shout out though to uh, a brief shout out to episode fourteen, which was a few weeks ago. Is that the village episode? That was a village episode. Yeah, it was, was a really particularly striking episode where, like, yeah. you know, spoilers, but essentially. The main characters, Ascalon and his band, basically arrive at an English village in the middle of winter, you know, kind of on the run from another enemy band of Vikings or soldiers. And, you know, the first half of the episode is about... <laughs> it's maybe a little bit of an obvious setup, but the first half of the episode is about this village and the people who live in it and kind of the hard lives they lead, but also, like, these intrinsically good people who genuinely believe that, like their god and savior you know jesus christ will be waiting for them in the in in the next life after a life well lived and then the second half comes where Ascalad's vikings show up and you know steal all their supplies yeah decide oh well we took all their supplies they're gonna die anyway let's line them up and kill them now right like they're gonna die anyways we might as well just do the job for for it for them and massacre them to the last man woman and child and like that sounds like it sounds like it's very easy to make that thing sound way too grim, but, but that's think, that's like a real thing that happened though. Like, right. You look well, at I mean, the records. Yes, but I think I think I think what I'm trying to get here is like it, it, would, it would be very easy to veer into like Game of Thrones territory of like relishing in the violence mm, and grimness of right. it. But I think that like right, right. Stack actually does a very good job of like kind of just putting it in front of you and like not really like editorializing it, not really leaning into it, right? Like, they're not, like, showing you shots of, like, people getting hacked by axes, just kind of... Making you come to your own conclusion. Yeah, kind of just leaving you to sit with it and, like, remember that, like, oh, like, this kind of goofy band of Vikings we've come to... Love is not the right word. I don't think anyone can really love Ascalad or his band, but, you know, they are our viewpoint characters, and it's kind of that stark reminder that, oh, right, these are... 
abhorrent people. Yes, right. yes, abhorrent. These are violent, awful people. And, like, Thorfinn is barely any better than them, like, despite his insistences on his, like, righteous, like, mission of vengeance. Like, he is just as complicit in the actions as, as any of them. And just, like, you know, as I said before, the cycle and, of violence, you know? And, like, and the striking stuff of, like, the priest, like, shouting, even though he knew he couldn't do anything, and just, like, especially in the episode afterwards, just him listening, like, how debilitated he was from being able to do nothing for them. Right, I mean, it just kind of very much leans into, like, how, especially, you know, in that era, in that society, just, like, how powerless you are, like, if you do not have, like, the force of arms to to back up your convictions and right. like this idea. I don't want to spoil too much. I'm just saying like, you know, like characters here will come to some like very harsh conclusions about like the nature of the society they live in and the lengths they will have to go to, to prove and ensure the survival of their convictions over what they perceive as even worse ones. But, uh, right. Like, Again, like, just read up, like, I say don't read up on it because I don't want you guys to get spoiled, but if you're ever curious, <laughs> read up on the history of the actual historical King Canute, and uh, you'll realize that dude has, uh, that dude's got a journey ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but yes, okay. yes, that show's still, still pretty damn good. I'm glad at least one of my favorite manga got a decent <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> hey, V-Star is good. You know, you're right. Like, if I'm being honest, like, this season has been particularly kind to me in terms of, like, solid adaptations, right? Like, My Hero Academia, which we don't have the notes, but, you know, it's My Hero Academia. You know what to expect. Oh, yeah. Island Saga, No Guns Life, B-Stars, you know, so I I should be grateful. I think it's just <laughs> that Golden Kamui will always sting in a way that'll <laughs> never go away. Yeah. Well, we got this other show with CG Bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... <laughs> Speaking of no guns, life. <laughs> no, that's CG environments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's CG next trains. on the notes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So <laughs> let's let, we'll, we'll get into the actual like new shows this season section here, and yes. we'll start with no guns, life. Mm-hmm. I'm which we it. had uh, episode two and three. Yes. Since our since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. I have not had a chance to watch this. I did actually want to, but I have not gotten to it. Uh, so you guys are going to have to... Continues to play its noir, like, private eye stuff. Incredibly straight um, yes. for comedy mm-hmm. next to this man is a gun. <laughs> yes. This girl transforms into a spider. A oh yeah, that's spider. right. That only happens. Yes. <laughs> We're cutting up our children in the streets because of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Sounds fun. I mean, it's. I think what Hero's getting at is that it's still the very. It continues to be the very, very self-aware, very straight-laced, hard-boiled story. It is, except mm-hmm. of course that the main character has a gun for a head. <laughs> I'm a little worried about like how long that joke can can extend itself yeah i mean i mean the thing i always say is like i think it's better to treat no guns life as more of a sort of a, a trigun-esque anime like a very, yeah, that's cool, very like action-oriented show that occasionally has moments of pathos and like mm-hmm. 
character nuance, but it's otherwise mostly just like what wacky adventures will this right. man with a gun for a head get into next? Just, I feel like we're still on the first wacky adventure. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. I think, I think, I think once once we have more episodic cases, I think I'll be a, a little higher on it. Yeah, yeah I was, that's I'm fair. A little, uh, like, I'm a little confused as to when it'll ever go, go into a new arc, because it seems like they've made... Uh, I'm blanking on the kid's name, but the the kid that said oh, that Tetsuro. he find, yeah, Tetsuro, um, like he they made him so important that they can't just make him part of his wacky crew without a lot of things happening. Like they because this company's after him and they know where he lives. I mean, it's it. Don't and worry the too much. Owns everything. <laughs> Okay. They, I mean, they, I get. they they find ways to have their more episodic cases later. I mean, I, I'd say really treat the omnipotent evil cyberpunk corporation as more of a perhaps more of a Team Rocket esque entity of like <laughs> not, not in terms of competence, but more in terms of like well, this week we didn't feel like chasing after Inui Juzo. I guess oh. like why? <laughs> Who could really say? <laughs> we just didn't feel okay. like it. Because there's another right. villain for him to fight this week. I have sure. one question. Sure. Did they shoot the gun yet? Nope. Uh, no. Nope. No, that's... I, I, I hope Come that's on, this soon. They, they gotta save that. It's important. Man's I, got a gun for head. It's the, see, it's the biggest, most obvious Chekhov's gun in the whole show. I, like, guess, I'm not, the, I guess I'm not clear open. if this is like a big enough event where you shoot the gun once every four episodes, or is this, like, season finale type of uh, thing? <laughs> they do have another guy in the opening that shoots his gun head. And yeah, it is an appropriately gigantic explosion. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully... There's I another, guess we'll yeah, see there's it another gun head in the OP. What could it possibly mean? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah um, really, his name no Millions Knives. <laughs> <laughs> I actually cannot remember the dude's name off the top of my head. Uh, he only Sorry, starts millions guns. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he only starts to show up in the manga right around when the scandalation started to die off. So right. I don't mm. actually know his entire deal, other than like you probably don't notice it because the OP moves a little bit too quick. But the very funny thing for me, as a bit of a gun nut, is that Inui Juzo has a revolver for a head. The other dude have like a Glock for a head. Yes, he has a semi-auto pistol for a head. It's a Glock, basically, what? and it's very funny to me. Just like, oh, <laughs> they thought that far. They thought that far in advance. Like, oh, how would like... you even reload that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking too many questions, Marlon. I am. I know. You're I asking am. too many questions about a show where a man has a revolver for a head, and his official official title is Resolver. Okay, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's my show, eternal problem. Yeah. I, I don't well, know if there's much else to say about it, honestly. <laughs> we'll see if we have uh, more anything else to say about that another time. Right. But it sounds like it's still fun. <laughs> it is, yep. it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's come back to Stars Align. We had... Uh, episodes two and three since last time, which Stars Aligned apparently does not have episode titles. Okay. I guess it's just episode two and three. 
Hmm, okay. Hmm. Um, I, th- I thought it had, like, the names of characters as the episode title. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Everything I looked up was not... I, d- I don't know if it says it, like, in the episode itself, but, like, all the official streaming sites and Wikipedia and everything just has episodes, but not okay. that important. Yeah. Um... Episode two, I quite honestly barely remember what happened. I know the main kid start. They did. They had like their first tennis club practice. Right. right? They are introduced to the club proper. Yeah, and then, and then they get in a you know like a tiff because like he kind of is acting like he's a hot shot. Well, he calls him yeah. out. I mean, yes. It, I... It's it's um, I actually kind of enjoyed that moment. Not that he wasn't being a jerk, because he kind of was, but they also needed to hear what he was saying. They did, and I think it's it's going to be a tough balance there. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe I'll just get into it now. Like I, I'm going to be talking about both episodes two and three, but not not the whole, but specifically Maki as a character. Like, <sighs> it's very hard to pull off like an insufferable genius protagonist in a sports anime. It's Right. Those are my least favorite types of sports anime, to be honest. Like, you know, it's just who I am, but I prefer the sports anime about the, like, plucky, scrappy kid who gets by on, like, hard work and guts. Or, you know, maybe they're, like, good, but they're good at, like, very specific things. You know, like, in, in Big Windup, the pitcher, the main character is a very accurate pitcher, but he's not a very fast pitcher. Or in Slam Dunk, like, ironically, the manga called Slam Dunk, the main character is actually not a very good setter and is actually pretty bad at dunking. He's, in fact, actually very good at jump shots. And, uh, you know, it's... I think that that can be a little bit more interesting, whereas I'm, it's hard to tell if Maki's excellence at the sport for me is, like, he's just that good or the rest of the club is just that bad, if that they, if that makes sense. <laughs> They at least seem to be making him a little bit too good for someone who just picked up a racket. Yeah, yeah. I was as someone who used to be in a tennis club. Like the idea of guys being in the club for for a whole year, like an an entire year of time, and at least not knowing proper form doesn't like really. It got into like some what was that show called, Joe? The one was like, "What's a band or what's a guitar." Given it got, it felt it got to like given <laughs> levels of like yes. What's a backhand serve? It's like so, motherfucker, you've right. been taking this, learning the sport for a yeah, year. Like, like even if you're even if right. you're half assing it, like you should at least know that you, at you least know that have to know how to hit backhand. Like yeah. you can't run around every shot. Like yeah, even if the you're vibe not I kind of got. I don't know if this was necessarily intentional from the show, but it was like. Half of these people joined this club to say they joined a club, and then they've just been fucking around and not, not engaging right. with. But the, the problem is that that, that, is, that is directly countered by how they right. perform in the third episode. And I think that's right. kind of what's bothering right. me about it. Yeah. Is like I'm not saying they're like oh like all of a sudden they fucking turn it on in the third episode, but at least in terms of like how they're animated, like the implications, like they're at least. They at least at they least have a, half of them are good players. Yeah, or at, at least know how to hit. Ending of the game, right? Like they know how to hit. They know how to receive. Like so, like if they were just completely helpless in the third episode. I'd be like, okay, wow, these guys really did just like fuck around that bad. But like the implication is like and the, the implication is even that they have some pride in how they play, right? Like they know yeah. they're losers, but losing to this newbie still makes them feel humiliated. 
Right. And if they I, really I, didn't care about the club, why would that bother them at all? But the fact that they still have some competitive spirit in them implies that, like, they at least, like, care enough. Like, that that, that tells you why they are still in the club. Yeah. And as someone, once again, that actually played tennis, I, it's just the idea that he picks up a racket and, like, two days later is perfectly hitting everything over oh, the it wasn't net, even but two in, days. in bounds. It, it wasn't it's, even two it, days. It, was it wasn't even? Because yeah. like in episode two, like when he's hitting against the wall, you can't do that the first time you pick up a racket. I, wow. I played a lot of tennis myself too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah. here's it's impossible. Yeah, here's Sorry. the thing. I was wondering, did he actually play before and he's hiding it? Right, because he does know uh, Toma's older brother. Right, like there is like we do, we still don't know the full extent of That's that right. relationship. Because I feel but... like. I feel like this show, in every other aspect, has been too grounded to just pull out the I'm a super genius, I can pick up a racket and instantly be the best tennis player on the court thing. And I was actually thinking in episode three, when they're, when they're actually like playing their matches and the captain's getting mad as uh, this guy's kicking everybody's ass, I thought the captain had figured out this guy has played tennis before and he's lying to us, which did not turn out to be the case, at least not at that point. But that's where my brain was like going. Like, did this guy, you know, just give up on tennis and doesn't want to talk about it anymore? But you know, he's has actually played before. I mean, that would make more sense to me in the context of you know the show. Otherwise, I mean, being fairly he's... Oh, yeah, like maybe like his old gear got pawned by his dad or something. I mean, like that. if if this character is playing the long con, he's playing a hell of a long con because like at least in episode two, the implication seems to be he is learning it. You know. Well, you know, and he, what what reason does he have to play dumb anyway? Yeah, I mean, there that's the thing. Like, I feel like if they if that were really the case, it would have been most likely had been revealed in episode three. So, yeah, I feel like that the, would have been the place to reveal that. And... The odds of that seem still very slim, but I don't know. That would just that would just make more sense to me. Maybe yeah. he doesn't want to talk about. You know, maybe there's some painful memories attached to his previous time playing tennis or something and he doesn't want to talk about it i don't know but and that sorry, seemed like that would have made more sense to me than he's just a super genius that can hit a perfect one hand backhand which is not easy to do as someone who did a lot who, who played who had to practice a lot to hit one hand backhand uh mm-hmm. you know that is uh it just doesn't seem to add up yeah i mean i I didn't have your guys' tennis experience. I, I took I, I learned tennis for like two weeks at summer camp and let me tell you, after two weeks I was still fucking garbage at tennis. So. <laughs> That's like uh, t- like like you mentioned Given bad, G. You mentioned Given like, from last season, which I agree, but what that show then did was like they had to time skip ahead, you know, many months later, uh to have the guy take the time to learn to play guitar, and even then he still kinda sucked. And I was like, yes, that's I, what really learning how to play guitar yeah, is like. I, I feel like again, I don't want to like, I don't want to like armchair right here, but I feel like the the play I honestly feel like would make more sense for Stars Align is like because the whole the whole gist is like they just got to win one game at the big tournament to like save the club, right? Then yeah. they should have they should have really leaned into how bad this club is, and like the main character, maybe he has like a a, a, a knack for it. But like, right? 
I feel like the, the play would have been to like immediately bring in players from other schools to like immediately set the bar of like, oh, this is how far right. you are from e- winning even one match. Knock them down. And then, right. and then the big drama comes from like in four months, can I even get to like a baseline level to like maybe win a match against like people who really take this seriously? But, Especially since he's being placed at the like the second spot. Which is like, yeah, you know, like it makes me think about my old chess club because I was in a new school. We only had four people, so you know, I was in uh, first chair, but you know, my level of play was more of like third or fourth chair, right? And right. Like, like he's basically in the same scenario where it's, there's nobody good enough for his position, so he's just getting slotted up. And is he really going to? Is he really going to be able to? to take on that kind of competition. Right. And, and I guess the thing I do want to say is, like, I realize that this entire time we have just been talking about the sports part, and I recognize that for, like, a lot of people watching Stars Align, like, this stuff doesn't really matter as much. Um, yeah. Because, like, what you're really here for is, like, the character drama. And, and I will, I will great. Like, I think the character stuff continues to be quite solid. I think... Everyone was, was a little bit too cool about that one guy smacking a guy over the head with a racket. I mean, look, man, I grew up on stuff like Slam Dunk, where people were just <laughs> fucking throwing cuffs, like, you know, <laughs> on on the slightest notice, you know? So, like, I, 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 was, I, like, I, was, I was like, that, that dude got off light, getting hit by a racket, like, whatever, man. Like, I was half expected, like, yeah, like. Man, I feel like getting hit by a racket would fuck you it, up pretty bad. It, it would, it oh, would have oh, pretty bad. Like, to, to dent it the way he did, like... Yeah, but it's a freaking many soft tennis racket, man. To, like, to, you know how many times you have to... From experience, back I used to have some anger problems, like, throw a racket on the ground to make a dent in it, like, a hundred times. Like, you don't... alright. I, I just, look, I'm, I'm just of the mind that, like... Look, the sister had it right. Should have headbutted him. <laughs> Should have thrown yeah, fish. Okay. Oh yeah, she's right for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't gee, I want to. I want to speak to your point about the. You know, we're emphasizing the sports anime stuff here. Um, the reason we're doing that is because the show itself puts a lot of emphasis on the sports anime. I personally uh, think it does. Yeah, and I a, think as that... much as people want to lean on the character drama stuff, which is there and it is good. And I, I do want to talk more about that. You know, the reason why we're critical of the sports stuff is because the show spends, I haven't put a timer on it, but possibly at least half or even the majority of I its mean, time. By, it's by, episode th- by episode three, I, I can confidently say this is definitely a sports anime or right. it's at least right. very much trying to be a good example of one. If, and if it was just like, you know, they they say hey let's head to tennis practice and then uh, five minutes later we come back to them you know leaving tennis practice and we're back to you know the outside club stuff like that w- then I wouldn't harp as much on the sports stuff because then it's not as important but the show itself is yeah. emphasizing the sports stuff so and... I just want to be clear because I I do feel like I when I was when I was editing the last episode and coming back to that like I felt like it. Might some people might have interpreted what we were saying as like the show has to be a sports anime and like it has to conform to sports anime standards or whatever. No, definitely and, not. I mean, and but... and that's not what we were saying. We're only saying these things because the show is if it wants to making be one, itself it has to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 
it's it's jumped into that pool. <laughs> right. Like, you know, so... we, we keep bringing up ping pong like a broken record, but the thing with ping pong, <laughs> right, is like, like, would ping pong have been just as good of a show without the emphasis on the sports? I mean, maybe. Like, honestly, maybe. it could be. Uh... I mean, the character parts of ping pong are very good, but, like, the reason they kind of hit that, like, next level is because of, like, oh, wow, the the sports part of this is also really compelling and well done. And right. it, 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 it builds on the character trauma. Like they are, the two, the two elements are not, are not divorced from each other, I guess is the way I put it. Whereas I, I, here's the thing, right? Like if you go back and actually read my coverage of ping pong, like you read, you read the tone of a man who was on the verge of dropping that show every week because, <laughs> yes. like, Smile and Peko just fucking drove me up As the, the, the ends justified <laughs> the means on that one. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's, like, it very much, it was not until, like, episode, like, seven or eight where I finally made that turn on those characters. It was like, oh, shit, that's what Masaki Yuasa was doing with these characters, holy crap. But that's a hell of a gamble to play. And right. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, that's the thing, like, I, you know, I, I still want to... I think we're all going to still keep watching Stars a lot. So no, and I th- yeah, I think I, I it's think a good. It will get. I want to get into the good stuff that I like about the show because I do think overall it's still a very good show. Yeah, we were just talking about the sports part. Feels like it's maybe the weaker aspect of it. Um, there are a lot of really great small moments and the characters, uh, like. Like I, I, I very much love his the the neighbor girl and the uh, the kid who's the club manager who yeah. are like kind of lurking on the sidelines, and then uh, then you, we got we got back into the the heavier stuff a little the bit real in episode shit. three. <laughs> um, yeah, I mm-hmm. I thought that stuff was pretty effective, but my worry is you can only play this trick so many times with this cast of characters. Like, yeah. Like the abuse reveal. Right. Um, so, and, right, because in, like, in this, it, in like, this it, one... It goes on to reveal that, like, oh, every member of this club has damage. Like, that's going to feel a little contrived to me. So, like, I feel like they really have to be sparing in... Like, they're playing with some... They're playing with fire with some of these character reveals. And I think they have to be sparing with how they use it. Right. Yeah. And my my thing has always been, like... And I said this in the in the first one too. Like, what are you going to do with this information now? Right. Because right. um, episode three revealed one of the characters revealed uh, some past abuse he experienced when he was a baby from his mother, and how you know he's had to be separated from his mother and is you know living with his dad as a single parent situation. And you know that kind of you know, I guess endears him to Maki, the main yeah. guy, a little bit. And, again, like, presentation-wise, like, storytelling-wise, it's a really striking scene. Like, the flashback, it's... It's hard... Like, just like the first episode's, like, pr- 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 depiction of abuse, it's hard to watch. And... Mm-hmm. I, I guess my... I, it's really affecting... Like, it's really affecting to watch, and I guess that's why my big worry is, like... Oh no! Is just every character going to get their like horrifyingly depicted like abuse I, flashback? I could see that would it. Be worrying. I could see it I where because then that then that, that that just gets gratuitous. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and it kind of it kind of weakens the impact of it, right? But 
I, I could see where everybody's going to have their problems and maybe just not that specifically, but, and, and it's, you know, the club that's, you know, giving them an outlet to come together and right. Right. But yeah, it's just, like I said, where are they going to go with it from here? Yeah. They did a, they I, did a good, I, I, good job. Say, of, I, I have, it's a good job of bringing it up and yeah. Like what? Now, what are you going to say now that you have our attention? Right? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, I think the show continues to do really strong stuff with its like small incidental storytelling. You know, like the the bits of dialogue, the little interactions between characters. I think that stuff continues to be to be very solid. Um, right. Okay. Well, again, again, we'll just have to see what they. I guess what they do with it, but I, I do think, I do think overall it's still, it's still a good show and there's still a lot of potential, but I could also see it not living up to its potential. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more bearish on it, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I'll say this of the sports anime I've watched in recent memory. It's on more steady footing than Hanabato. You know, well, if, it, if, that's, if that's an adequate comparison, <laughs> that was uh, yeah. <laughs> that was that I was mean, a wild ride from the start. Bomb in that one, so yeah, not exactly the best depiction of like healthy relationship development. No, definitely not. <laughs> I, Ira, yeah. did you want to add anything? Because no, I actually haven't seen episode three yet. So okay, uh, yeah. Hmm. I guess the only other wow. thing is I still want to know what's up with the the captain and his mom. And they kind of get into that in the third episode, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're starting to like hint at like there's some weird resentment going on between the two, and... right? But we don't know, we don't have any like knowledge as to why or anything. Yeah. Just that she doesn't like him, yeah, or resents him and... or something. Yeah. Again, that's another thing that like this show is like you're playing with fire, and like if you can pull this off, like you know, like right. it's going to be something really special. But it's you know. We will see, I think. Yeah. Okay. So let's move along to Beastars. Yeah. Hell yeah. Before we say anything, episode two introduced us to the OP. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I just want to yeah. mention because it's fantastic. Dude, that OP is mm. so good. Holy shit. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that OP. <laughs> like the... I really want to know who made it. Like, it's yeah. very lovingly crafted. Oh, man. So, it's at, is... so if anybody hasn't seen it, please go watch it. But it's it's stop-motion animation yes. of Lugosi oh. and uh, Haru, like, dancing and stuff. Right, but, like, but like, it... like running through the woods, and then the trees of the woods are revealed to be a deer's antlers. It's, oh, oh, it's, yeah. it's really good. And then, the, and then really the choice good. of music uh, yes. is so perfect. It's, it's stellar. Just, it's, yeah, it, it, I have a song where someone shouts, and that's called jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and that yeah, shows. That yeah, it's. And yeah, it's got the, is, the yes. ominous ending. Oh um, yes, yeah. yes. It's, real, it's real. Uh, so I will say, uh, by the episode three, like they're already doing the school play. Um, <laughs> but at the end of episode two, because of the opening and ending sequences. I had assumed this would be like mostly romance type show and the school play would be the dramatic climax where, you know, romantic plots are resolved, etc. And then episode three just has the fucking play. 
Look, Beastars so doesn't have... From... I don't fucking know where this show's going anymore. Yeah, Beastars from... doesn't have time to focus on a trivial play. <laughs> yeah, from what G was throwing down, I kind of assumed that there was more going on. We're going to go if some Boy, places. though, like, if G did not recommend this show, episode you're not two... You're not comfortable with made, yeah. bunny stripping her clothes off and yeah. rubbing her hands all over Lugosi's chest. So let's... Boy, uh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like, I- I'm real curious since you guys are not familiar with the mod. Just think about like the plot reveals and the characters and stuff they've done so far. Like, yeah, you know, let- the-, the twists and the the themes and all that. So let- let's get to so episode two is when Lugosi meets Haru in the gardening club, and uh... how would I explain what His happens? Bunnies fucking all the time, right? Yes. Uh, well, right. yes. That's what I want to figure out. If like, is it just her like it playing into the idea that she's it's in her nature as a rabbit or is it something more to do I think with it's either supposed to be like, in her nature or that's the stereotype one of the two I, I will or say both. that like Haru will begin to explain like where she is coming from but I will say like Haru is not in many ways, in many ways Haru is not the typical rabbit I'll just I'll just leave it at that like like in terms mm-hmm. of like if, like you kind of get a vibe for that when like that other rabbit student is bullying her. That like Haru is definitely an outsider, right? Or not an outsider, but right. she's not. She, you know, I, I said this in the first, the first pod, the the prior podcast, right? Like a, a lot of the themes, like both Haru and Lugosi are not the are not the prime examples of their species, whereas externally Lewis very much is, and kind of the contrast in those societal expectations and appearances, right? So, right. So basically, in episode two, uh, Lugosi tries to go pick up flowers for the play or something, and Haru assumes he came there to have sex with her. Yes. Uh, which, uh... <laughs> which also, <laughs> I guess I also didn't think about the idea of interspecies romance because I was like, well, let's not think too hard about it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess boy, what? let me tell you, we think a lot about that. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Lugosi has, did not understand what was happening uh, uh, somehow. Also, like they don't be, they don't beat her on the bush. No, she just starts. She just pulls her clothes off, starts pulling his clothes off. Like, yeah. I mean, again, like this is like these things, these things should immediately already communicate to you, like who Haru as a person is, and like what expectations society has already like foisted upon her because of her reputation at the school. Mm, right. Like, also, just, like, the the show... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, just like, visually, just straight up going for it. Yes, I mean, like, there's this implication, like, I, I'm sure, like, you guys are already beginning to figure this out, like, you know, to excuse the term, but Haru has a bit of a reputation for being the town bicycle, and so when a male student just shows up alone at her club room, like... Mm-hmm. There is already this ex- expectation of like, oh, you're here for that, huh? All right, well, let's, you know, let's get let's get this over with, basically. <laughs> right. And but, it's in uh, uh, as we go into episode three, and Lugosi's trying to figure out what just happened. <laughs> uh, right. You know, he he's he's kind of coming to the conclusion that, you know, all these bad things people are saying about her doesn't quite seem to add up from the what he's seeing, which is, I guess, the, the interesting part of all this. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, are, are they ever going to uh, 
address why she has like this selective amnesia for when he attacked her. Why I don't does think she, she knew it was him. No, uh, like, but remember, at least I, you t- think I, t- that... I took that as her like trying to not make waves by saying a carnivore assaulted me at night. Um, I mean, think about. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't want. Yes, Eero is maybe getting a little bit closer to. Like, I don't want to get too into this, but like, how about in our own society, why women may often write off visible injuries on them as, oh, I fell down the stairs or I tripped, mm. right? Like, because society okay. expects certain things. And... I'm already like, <laughs> everyone's forgotten about that murder real fast. Right. Or or have they? Or, or, or I mean, if they, no, right. And if they have, what does that say about the society? That oh, right, so that right. Your your statement has me being like, okay, so they're actually going to go somewhere with this, and it's not just they freaking forgot. <laughs> you know, like they have not. They have not forgotten right. about the murder. I assure you, they have not. But it's, this is a show where like it so hard a lot of the time that. I'm unsure as to whether it will all pan out. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I yes, like I... you. I feel like you have to keep saying, "No, no, no, don't worry, it'll go somewhere." I'm like, yeah, no. okay, because I've seen a lot of shows crash and burn. You know, I, I, I do feel like I, I feel like I, I do feel like Beastars is definitely the show. I have look, I I have gone hard to bat for a lot of shows in the past. I think that I will never go harder for, to bat for a show <laughs> than I will for Beastars because. <laughs> I know where this is going, and I have so much faith in where it is going. <laughs> that, like, I insist, stay the course. Things will be fine. I, Keep watching B stars. Swain Bird, Panda Boncho, show up. I've been a, I've been a hundred percent on board on everything. I have no red flag. Yeah, 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 I, I'm on. I'm on board. I just like you know. It's like I'm not even questioning it. Can we maintain the speed? <laughs> like, I do understand. Yeah. Where, I do understand your worries, though, because like, like Marlon, as you kind of mentioned after you watched episode two, like if you don't know anything about the show, this rabbit just starts stripping naked in the set in the in the second episode. I, I, I understand. Right. I understand. It is very easy to go to the like, oh no, it is a fur- like this is a like a fetish show after all, right? Like, oh right. no, it's it, going it, in that direction. <laughs> like it, yeah, it just like it's it, very easy. Uh... Like, oh no, G tricked me into watching a furry anime. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just kind of, it's... I mean, considering Monolithi is also Aryan, yeah. like, this is a thousand times better than fucking Komonoichi. I mean, that... <sighs> that scene, too, it was like... It was meant to be super awkward. Yeah, like, I didn't, like, I didn't like, think it was meant to be viewed... Like, what is happening? I didn't think it was meant to be viewed by the audience as sexy. I think it was, right. you yeah. know... I mean, I'm sure some people may have felt like that way about it, size. but I don't think that was the intention, and I didn't feel that way watching it. Yeah. I'd say I'd say the, the studio so far done a pretty good job of like really adapting B stars to like. For the most part, they've done a pretty good job of adapting the general tone and vibe of the original manga. Like, just like in the manga, that scene I think does a good job of being like, you're supposed to like feel with Ogosi here. You're supposed to be like bewildered and dumbfounded at what is happening, right? Like, even if you are not as socially awkward as Lugosi, like, you should still feel like, did I just, (laughs) like, did I just step into an alternate dimension? Like, what is happening here? Like, I was helping this girl out, like, with gardening, and... 
what yeah. is going on here? <laughs> right. I did like uh, some of the world building that happened in episode three, like the, you know, the principal kind of trying to bring back unity, and then like the kind of funny the what they call it, like the ecology day. <laughs> Where, like everyone goes into their little rooms. Oh, they go into their, their like yes, their yes, their their like specialized environmental chambers. <laughs> right. Like, oh, they like, get their I, own, I like Vegeta I probably beyond the boundaries of the show, but like <laughs> it kind of brought some questions to me of like <laughs> the like of how the sentience of these animals came to be or something. Yeah, I think it's a Zootopia deal. You're just meant to accept, like, okay, yes. this is the shape of this world. Right. Right. Um, I also, like, in episode three, it did become more obvious that because Haru is so relatively, like, actually not that much smaller than Lugosi, I didn't realize that, like, mice and stuff would literally just be, like, a foot tall. <laughs> the sizing thing is a little inconsistent because like, you have elephants who are like only two feet taller than, you know. And, and the isn't there like a squirrel in the first episode and she looked just the same size as Haru? I don't know if that was a squirrel. Maybe that was like some other... I... Ah, well. Yeah, I don't know, I man. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Don't think too hard about it. I wanted to talk about one other thing. Yeah. We had, like, we had the play uh-huh. and we had... One scene in particular with Lewis kind of trying to push Lagosi to unleash his <laughs> inner wolf. Lewis is a fucking lot. Lewis is a lot. Lewis is a lot. It's like if we want to talk about where the show is going, you know, we already how, had how, how gay is B stars. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm, so, I'm not. I, I was going to. There, there is a. It's stupid of me to try and explain. That's fine. No, no, G. But... Like G. I kind of almost want to cut you out of this conversation because okay, you know. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm going to put this more out for Iroh and Marlin here, or our <laughs> listeners who have not read the manga. We had the obviously in the end of episode one with Le- with Legosi almost eating Haru. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh We've had the ominous ending of the OP mm-hmm. and we've had you know this bit with Lewis trying to push go beast mode Lugosi to go beast mode like is the the switch gonna flip at some point like <laughs> is Lugosi Dimitri from Fire Emblem like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. G, G again I don't want I don't want you to give us any hints. Just, and I don't know. I don't think we have an answer uh, to that question. I, They're I obviously going just, somewhere it's with hard it. Hard to see how, like, unless it's like he's able to channel it, like he's Gokuing, <laughs> like we're Kaioken Kyo, twenty. He activates <laughs> Ultra Instinct. <laughs> yeah, but like also like the idea that you know Saiyans are usually inherently violent and destructive, whereas because of the way Goku was raised. He's able to rein it in, or like like so, so that wolves would normally be incredibly violent, and like if but, but because of the way Lagosi has like kept his demeanor, he's going to somehow be able to resist the blood th- lust. I guess I don't but know. At some point, uh, it's got to come out at some point, doesn't it? Like you would that think feels so. like what they're building up to. 
Mm. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't know You're what right. capacity. I don't know what at what stage in the plot that happens, but it feels like that's what it's building up to. I'm just going to throw that out there. He'll use it for good. I don't know. <laughs> He'll eat the, the, the bad herbivores. <laughs> 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 no, don't worry. I'm not. I'm not really gonna be by laughing. Uh, fuck it. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Maybe when the like panda gang shows up, like the 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 bears are here to you're, take the dojo you're, sign. You're you're obsessed with the panda. What, I love it. What's with the panda poncho? I want to know. The panda's gonna he show up for like prominent. like thirty seconds, right? Uh. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it, though. I'm loving yeah. it. It's my favorite I'm, thing this, yeah, this I'm, season. I'm so and, happy that Orange has largely managed to pull it off. Like, I think I, we were all, but I was especially worried about the CG and the, mm-hmm. the adaptation, but I feel like they've done a pretty damn good job with it so far. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that like, again. When the anteater bailed and slammed the door, I think. On the go Oh, yeah. yes. That's oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, in episode three, I really like the... I really love the bit where, like... The screen splits between Lewis's eyes and Lugosi's hands, and like, you know, it kind of leads to this whole idea of like, Lewis just cannot like Lewis's Lewis is, like carnivore fetish. Like... Lewis is obsessed with carnivores and like <laughs> their true nature, and like maybe to some degree his resentment that like that he like get to have it right because he's prey, he's weak. You know, he you know he you know right. he he's doesn't obsessed have with putting on a good image and right like social uh, strength. Right, like, there's this element of, like, there's almost, like, this weird Vita-esque element of, like, he feels insulted that carnivores are constantly, like, limiting their power level in front of him. Like, like, how dare you? Oh, show me your true strength. Right, like, Kakarot, show me your true strength. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Back. I can't believe you didn't use Super Saiyan 3 when we were fighting after the World Tournament. Right. And, like, like, you insult me by holding back. And, and you know, just like, oh, Louis, oh, Louis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah just they've been doing a pretty damn good job with that one so glad yeah. uh yeah glad that one's been turning out well and i i, I was going to specifically shout out how good it still looks and everything the directing's oh, yeah. fantastic yeah it's mm-hmm. really got its own like it's got a, it's got a real sense of style to it yeah okay yeah what's uh thanks netflix yes thanks, thanks netflix. Netflix for making <laughs> this thanks, a, a pain to watch yeah. All right, let's wrap things up with a crossover oh with uh, Legend, of, <laughs> Legend of the Glorio Heroes here. We're going to talk about Legend of the Galactic Heroes D&T. Yes. We... I still have not brought myself to catch up on. I'm going to keep trying. I yeah. was able to. So did you like... So did you start well, watching D and T from episode one, or did you just catch up and start watching? Oh no, episode? yeah, I started watching the new season. Sorry, okay. I was like, okay. fine, fine. I could go back. I might. I do. do I, like I think. It, I, I think might. it's interesting. I think it is interesting to check out. But, but anyways, if you want to get into it, yeah. Um, I think the thing that's most striking to me immediately, like between the original show and the remake, is it can. Do this. They can create the like sets and backgrounds with more intentionality. It feels like. Um, oh yeah. Even though the OVA was made after all the novels were done, uh, just 
the visual design, I think, of D&T is a lot more cohesive. It's stuff like how stuff would be like generic hallways or rooms or stuff right. in the OVA, but like like Yang's apartment on Ezerlone is goes to a hallway. Yeah, some hallway. It's very it's very it's very SDF. Right, just like right. endless sci-fi hallways. Right. right. But uh here like they were outside of Young's apartment and it's a part of this little apartment tenement. Or they're, just, yeah. you know, they're all stacked on top of each other, there's a little like right. courtyard. It looks area. like a little city. Yeah. Right. Like, or like not not even a real city, but like it looked like it was designed to be to fulfill that function. Yes. You know? Um like like we saw brief glimpses of that in the original OBA, but I think that DNT does make some interesting and I think smart choices to make Ezerlone feel more like it is not just a military installation. It is like a full-fledged self-sustaining population. Right. Mm-hmm. Where are we at with the story here in episode 16 so, and 17? Uh, the, the double coup d'etat has happened. Yeah. Yes. The NSMC have just declared their intentions. Yep. The Lipstad League has uh, rebelled. The only yes. thing I saw was... Uh, Hilda, voiced by Kanaha Zala, showing up. <laughs> Everybody keeps talking showing about up at that. her dad's like crazy, she does a... fancy estate. Like, yeah. yeah, she does a really good job. Yeah, I, I, I so. was talking with G about this, and you know, they're all pretty much. I think they're all different voices, but it still feels right. They're definitely like, different voices. It's been thirty years, my guy. <laughs> I, I know. Okay, yeah, they're all different voices, but it still feels right. Like each character, yeah. each new voice. Shankov is too smooth. Yeah, okay, well, I want to really get into the, like the nitty gritty of this. I think I think me and Shankov's have like too pretty in general. Yes, <laughs> I mean, if, we want to, if we want to get into the character designs, I think we have more issues with the character designs than we do with like the set design. I think the set design is actually pretty solid. I've gotten used to the new ship designs. I and I in fact kind of like how they're portraying the space battles in this. Like it's different. Like they're not just like like in the original where they're just like lines that appear out of the ship. Lines and circles. Like, <laughs> to apply like instantaneous right. travel of light, which is a cool trick, but it's also a, a, a money saving one. Whereas I kind of like DNT leaning more into like a space opera esque, like oh they're tossing salvos of lasers at each other. So like right, and like I think everything related to like the environments and the sets. I think DNT is doing pretty well. I think as always, the character designs will just we'll never quite get used to them. Like they're <laughs> they're just not the same. And in terms of the voice casting. I do think, for the most part, it is generally pretty solid, but yeah. I do think Shen Kopp and Kirky Eyes are maybe, if not miscast, then, like, not as well-directed as they could be. Like, they are not mm-hmm. as well-performed as their original roles. Well, yeah. Kirky Eyes came off as, like, too cold. He's a little me. too cold in DNT. That's That's the main thing. It's like, there's, there's really it's, none it's of a, that. I feel like it's a hard, fine line, right? Cause... Yeah. He doesn't talk a lot in the OVA either, but he comes right, but... across as like dutiful and like nice, you know. He comes off yeah. like kind and compassionate, though. And yeah, I, I was right. gonna say like the thing is like I, I feel like DNT Kirkyas is like cold and stoic, whereas like OVA Kirkyas is like still stoic, but there's like there's like a soft voiced nature to it. Like, he's like he smiles more in the OVA. Yeah. I feel. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. Like, yeah, and that does a lot to the way you look if you're smiling yes. more often. And, and like he's he's he plays and, around and, with with yeah. uh, 
Reinhardt, you know, you like stuff the, like the party of frustrated. And I think that's also something, right? As Eero mentioned, the other thing that DNT is missing is that it doesn't have a lot of the like ridiculous like <laughs> empire storylines, like you know, Lady Benamunde or the party. Like it doesn't have right. They just aspects, make the, so... the passing reference to Space Caligula, right? Or, or... Does Space Caligula happen in season one? Like he doesn't look he like did. Space Caligula, but it did happen. Right. Yeah, it happened, quickly. but he wasn't in Roman togas. And... Well, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that was a little ridiculous, even by the standards of that OVA. Let's yeah. Be oh yeah, uh, it, it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> and so, because you lose those moments, which are the moments in which. Kirky Eyes and Reinhardt are very tender to each other because we don't have those scenes. We are left with just Kirky Eyes in his role as a military commander, where he is generally put on the more stoic face. And I think right. maybe in that regard, DNT suffers as an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I that was kind of one of the few things that makes you sympathetic to Reinhardt, right? Right. In a. You know, that's the few times we got to see any of his human, you know, his more sympathetic side. Yes, yes. If there is one, but... <laughs> Increasingly doubting that. As... Okay, <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right. I know, I know. I'll stop. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I will say the next episode uh, coming up, after that will be after this podcast, is uh, appears to line up with the battle against Admiral Sangari's so... Fortress. <laughs> I'll ask uh... that. Yeah, that I... We are going to get I some axe murder soon. Because, yeah, that is the best part about the ED is that his ridiculous holding the giant axe, like, blood on his face. Give me some some bloodshed in space. Yes, yes. Give me some Team Rocket special. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going to do it like that in D&D. We know they're they're not, not, but I wish they did. Um, We will finally answer that question of who's the dual wielder, though. I do love how much of, like how they've made Flugel even more of a dirtbag than he was in the OVA. Like, you know, he's, like, polishing right, that right. pistol while talking about murdering uh, Reinhardt or, like, wh- just randomly whipping this one guy off screen. <laughs> was... I mean, that's... I-, I enjoyed a little flourishes. That's not as bad as I mean, Lang I licking his lips, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yes, I think that at its core does get to, like, what DNT is that... DNT is interesting because, like, yes, you could argue, like, objectively, quote-unquote, it's not as good, it's not as well done, but, like, there are interesting flourishes, there are interesting, like, narrative choices it makes that I think are, are, are make it still worth watching, even as somebody who has really come to love the OVAs. I mean... I was talking with Iro about this the other day. Like one of the interesting, like again, this could be minor. This could be entirely unintentional. It could be more accurate to the novels. I don't know. Like, but it's different, and I noticed that is in the original in the original OVA when the NSMC announces their goals, they say our first goal number one, beat the Empire, and you're like, okay. Goal (laughs) number two, like hang all the corrupt politicians, and you're like, hmm, yeah, you know this. These, NMC, these NSMC guys might have the right idea. Then they say, goal number three, get rid of, like, social health care. Rule number four, get rid of free speech. And then you're like, oh, no, wait a second. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so, like, it's a very good, like, mood whiplash where you're like, maybe the NSMC is actually the way out for the FPA. Like, they'll hunt down the bad politicians and will save us and then yes they talk about getting rid of free speech and getting rid <laughs> right. of social health care and you're like oh no maybe not <laughs> and then but 
Whereas in D&T, they start off with getting rid of social health care and, and curtailing free speech. Right. And the last thing they mention is persecuting the, uh, the corrupt politicians to the point where it's almost an afterthought. Right, it's like they get to that point while other people are have started talking right. about what's going on. And again, it's a very subtle, very like I wouldn't even call it nitpicky. It's a very minor thing, but I think it actually like a difference in how they portray that scene. Because if you watch DNT, the NSMC is very clearly portrayed as evil. They are clearly in the wrong, like because they have let off with their most like morally mm-hmm. objectionable goals. But in the OVA, they lead off with the things that are frankly a lot easier to sympathize with like to the point where like no lie i always kind of partially sympathize with the nsmc because like look man any political party whose explicit stated goal is job trunit's head on a pike (laughs) that's a a political party like i may disagree with everything else they say but that is one thing where i'm like well Well, i mean you know that's (laughs) They're not all bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Also, I'll be also, also to one see... more thing. One more thing. Yes. Shen Cop's attempt to tempt Yang <laughs> into becoming a benevolent dictator. Oh, is So much more homoerotic in DNT. So like, Shen oh, Kopp I can already invites, picture that. In my Shen Cop invites I don't know what Yang that says about me, to but... like a pla- like a private planetarium. Yeah, the fancy planetarium inside of these alone, and starts bringing up slides of like the NSMC stated goals. And Shen Cop's like, you know, Yang, they they say one of their goals is to get rid of all the bad politicians. We all know that. Come on, young. We all know democracy's good, but the put, politicians are bad. Put, put, put hands on their shoulders and like, get some really? No, no, no. He, not only, he puts both hands on Yang, pushes him into one of the chair seats in the planetarium, <laughs> and then gets like five inches away from his face and is like, Come on, young. Think about it. We could just let them kill all the politicians, and then you become Yang, the benevolent dictator who saved democracy. What do you say, Yang? Huh? And it's just—it's <laughs> so, so. Oh my god! It is so, so homoerotic. Have, they, have like, they transferred all the empire drama over to the FPA then? All the drama <laughs> and homoeroticism. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> It's 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 very like like Yang even like puts his hand on Shen Kops to like push it away, and like you know it's it's uh-huh. it's a lot it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> but all uh, right, but yes, well, yeah, it's uh, I'm enjoying it. If you're like not sure about the OVA, if you don't want to like really want to get into that, I still say DNT is a good place to maybe yeah. get your feet wet. I'll be interested to see how far they make it with this stretch of episodes. Probably about to where you think. <laughs> I, I, I haven't done the math on well, this. They'll probably end around the end of season. Yeah. yeah. Of the OVA. All right. If only Kirky Ice were here. <laughs> He's off fighting the Lipstadt dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think uh, that's going to do it for this episode then. Mm-hmm. We will do our housekeeping. Check us out at theglorialblog.com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorialblog. 
You can check out the podcast on any of our feeds on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. We're also on YouTube. You can check out our other podcasts, Legend of the Glorio Heroes, if you want more Legend of the Galactic <laughs> Heroes talk on the original OVA. And also Glorio's King of the Kaiju with Chris and Collins. They just recently got another episode out, uh, so you can go check that out. And I think that's going to do it. So thanks, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See you later. later.